Good evening, good evening, good evening. You know what that growl indicates. It's time for another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you doing? Good, good, good. Let's get right into it. I am still pissed off at that crap I saw Friday evening in the brand new stadium, TDECU Stadium. That football game played between my alma mater, Houston Cougars. You only get one shot. And UTSA Roadrunners. The Cougars <laughs> laid a horrible, what did I say in a previous podcast about a Tyrannosaurus Rex size egg <laughs> yeah. that the Texans laid. A Willie Bama. game. This egg was even bigger than that. This was horrible. It was a disgrace and utter embarrassment. 40,700 fans were in the stadium, and Tony Levine's football team looked like they had no idea how to play. They were not prepared. The offense was a joke. The offensive line was a worse joke. John O'Corn's quarterback play was worthy of being benched in the second quarter. It was inept. It was horrible. What say you, Doc? I, I, I agree. It, it's, we were sitting up there watching the game, and it was actually utter amazement that they played that bad. You just couldn't view, and many of us suggested that UTSA was not going to just come in there and lay down. So it got to the point it got so sad that I was even pontifying that they should have played Grambling State to open up, the, which is a sad note in itself, but the fact that you thought that was the only option because they were just like, this is not going well. And then it got to the point, literally, where the ball is hiked, hits the quarterback off the face mask. I was just, I was like, I'm finished now. Nothing else needs to be said. It was a a comedy of errors on the field, turnovers, O'Corn threw four picks. And and the, the paint literally was not dried yet. What and paint? The field the, still, the field still is, is turf. Is in work. So it's all in grain, cut in, sold in. So what you saw is what it was. But let's talk about a few other issues and problems that I heard around TDECU Stadium. Let's start with the press box. So literally, the paint was not dry. Press box. Oh no, Wildcat. No. What say you, sir? How was the Wi-Fi in the press box? No, what? Wh- there was none. What? Oh, I'm we had issues with with, with the Wi-Fi, and. Wasn't informed beforehand that we should have brought cable with us to plug in to use a hard line. Well, I've been told since then on Tuesday, weekly luncheon, that from now on to bring a cable. Well, some of us didn't take that too kindly because once we got done with post game uh, with uh, Coach Levine and the two players, Went back upstairs, gathered up our equipment, and we headed to the house because we knew we had Wi-Fi at home. We couldn't stay and finish deadlines, and the only ones that did were the uh, the local paper, Chronicle, and a couple of folks that uh, had some APs to, to do uh, along with uh, stats. Uh, so they don't have Wi-Fi in the paper. It's supposed to be ready this weekend. Oh, okay. But... Now, don't they have a sponsor... Yes, and the do. Wi-Fi yes, in the stadium. They yes, they do. I'm not going to name that sponsor. Why should I consider the crap that they displayed but in the stadium on Friday? My answer to it all: You have a brand new stadium, first event. If you had somebody there to handle your scoreboard, you should have had somebody there to handle your IT. Not the pro- folks that are in your department. The building uh, contractor's IT person should have been the person that was there. Didn't see. Didn't hear. And everybody that was there with IT um, 
knowledge were all from U of A that I saw. The stadium was good. Is incomplete. You can see it all around. You see that there is still um, sod needed needed to be planted outside. Oh yeah, to the stadium. That's an issue. Inside, the Wi-Fi is a problem in media room as well as throughout the stadium. Um, concessions, they ran out of concessions in certain parts of the stadium. Beer, beer was gone in certain parts of the stadium. Hold up, hold up, hold up. Paper hold goods up, ran up, out of certain right parts there. of the stadium. Stop right there. Stop right there. Now, food, we pretty much can do without. At a football game, <laughs> let's just be honest. Now, the three of us, we've gone to a lot of games and watched a lot of stuff. Especially when the team is playing bad, yeah, people want to drown their sorrows. When you start talking about running out of food, people leave. Yeah. We've gone to a bar, and Walk folks have got, have got up and left and said, what do you mean no alcohol? We out of here, Bubba. Gone. Like the wind. That shouldn't happen on no level. And that, no all level. those issues I understand compounded you with uh, 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 traffic problems. There wasn't enough security to direct traffic, if any security to direct traffic. Interesting. And I've heard, you know, a read on a famous Cougar message board that there are certain diehard alums were um, excusing it, saying, you know, it's big. It's first, you know, you, you should expect a few snafu, snafus, first event, et cetera, et cetera. That's fine. To a point, I'm cool with that. But when you as a university are striving and claiming to be ready for the big time, ready to be one of the big boys. Right. You never get a second chance to make a first impression. True. True. You gotta get you gotta bring that that that, that fringe uh, edge person that's just buying a ticket because it's a football game going on. You need to find a way to hold on to that person. Not your fan local your loyal fan base, the other person. That's not that doesn't have any connection other than they just love college football. You got to find out a way to, to hold on to, to get that person in and then hold on to them. From a business perspective, I'm very intrigued to see um, what type of contract the builders had in regards to putting this together. And it really doesn't matter in terms of those that are involved, as you said, first impression. But I'd be very interested to see what the contractors. Uh, had in the contracts in terms of what they must have had done and if there were any buyback financial components for not having certain things that you suggested weren't taken care of completely. Were there any other issues patron-wise? That, uh, not that I know. That's enough. I mean, I tried to walk around the stadium a little bit to get the, bathroom? the Wi-Fi to work on bathroom my smartphone. It didn't work. Oh, well, let me say this. Yes. Thank you for jogging my memory there, Wildcat. Because you know the announcer, the game announcer, was a baseball announcer, and it was clear he was a baseball announcer. Apparently, he worked for the Astros. He said uh, during before the game started, fans be sure to come out and check out the Astros next game, September sixth versus Grambling State. Ah. He said that. Yes, he did. Ah. During the game, UTSA had the ball, quarterback. Throws to a receiver who was wide open, and the announcer was quick to let us know that during his hot mic. Oh, he's wide open. Yes, the announcer said that over the air for everyone to hear. So it was shoddy all over, on the field, around the field, in the press box. 
in the stadium. Oh, and the stadium looked nice. Looked incomplete. Only one scoreboard, one video board. Need more than one. Th there, um, the area, the wall in front of where the media sits, the press box, needs to have step boards drilled, the holes in, attached, something so fans can keep up with what's going on instead of looking at one big board. It looks incomplete. It does. For all the talk about the stadium will be ready on time, August 29, 2014, there was still, there is still a lot left needing to be finished and completed. So it was disappointing. It, the stadium looks nice. And once it's complete, it will look nicer. But it still has a lot, a lot more than I thought needed to be done, has to still be completed. Did you like the uh, Cullen Street being closed off for tailgate? That was nice. I mean, I, I went the back way, so, you know. So no, I'm talking yeah. as far as. I knew, I knew it was going to happen because they did that Sunday at, at community, community Day, so I knew that was going to take place for, uh, for tailgate. Like I said, and we mentioned it in the last podcast, marketing-wise, things went well. Things took place before the game and, and the giveaways they had mm -hmm. before the game. That was, those were good good ideas. I'm kind of curious to see how many fans show up Saturday, September 6th versus Grambling. Yeah. I think it's going to be a lot more Grambling fans there than, than people would believe because there are a lot of and still are a lot of pissed-off Cougar fans for that trash that we saw on the field and in the stadium. I'll be there as a season ticket holder, as a proud alum. But being a proud alum does not blind me and keep me from speaking my piece about the ineptness I saw all over the place. Well, all I can say is, now on with the game. It was just, it's, it's, it's leaving me speechless, but we can't just get this. We can't just leave, you know, be speechless and all doing this podcast. First mistake was first quarter. Early on, uh, U of H was down like on the eight-yard line, I think it was, uh, looking to go in and score. And for whatever reason, missed, sig uh, missed signals between the center quarterback. Center hikes the ball. Ball hits the quarterback in the, in the face. And that was a scramble. And that was right after a turnover by UTSA. And that's when we, it was almost like, okay, we know we, we're going to get going here. Wow. And after that, wow. it was downhill. They really, never recovered. Really was. And then to watch on special teams on a punt situation for the ball to end up on uh, the three-yard line with U of H backed up, defense backed up to give – UTSA a chance to get their second score, and now the game gets out of hand. And when they had an opportunity to score, or to at least put points on the board, um, that's what they, that's why they call it Monday morning quarterback. Uh, they went for four, uh, went for it on fourth down, didn't get it. Now you're bad, you, you know it's it's looking bad, and UTSA is just like racking it up. Going in halftime, you hadn't scored, and you're looking bad. And when you come back out, you don't abandon the running game, but you only give it a short leash to start the second half. And then after that, Farrell better touch the ball the rest of the game. And it was almost like we, we got to find a way to score. We got to find some chemistry or whatever. Um, we were told 
the left side of the offensive line would be an issue only because these guys hadn't played together and they hadn't played with this unit. Well, it proved to be so true. Things happened that shouldn't have happened. And in the process, you got what you got. And to top it all off, you came within 56 seconds of, of killing a streak of scoring, of being shut out, and you get you finally get on the board. And the last time that happened was in 2000 against UT, scores 48-0. It was almost like a relief went over the press room, the press box when they finally scored. I don't okay. care. I wanted to be shut out <clears throat> because I wanted it to be etched in history that you opened up a stadium with that garbage that was put on display on the football field. A shutout, twenty at last second touchdown, last minute touchdown. So what? I mean, it it was like, and kudos to the quarterback for whatever. I know I forget all that. They should have just knelt down as they take out goose egg and go home with your tail tucked between your legs. That's how I felt. It was just. A horrible performance by the offensive line, left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle. Everybody took turns being a turnstile, couldn't block, and John O'Corn got happy feet. He looked scared. He looked like he didn't want to be back there. He looked like he had lost confidence in his protection, and that is a problem. Yeah, let me give you some, you know, get to the numbers to let some people realize how this was really inept. U of H was 4 of 16 on third down conversion. Some of that. And some of that was the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter. Two for four on fourth down. They had 208 total yards. Remember, they had 70 yards on the last drive. Oh, in the third quarter, they, they were in the 50s in the third quarter. Passing for 234. They were minus 26 rushing for the game. 4.7 yards per pass play. They combined for 25 or 50. O'Corn was 21 or 43. Himself. No. Hey. Go ahead. With four interceptions. for 47. Mm-hmm. Six turnovers. Two fumbles. Lost. Four interceptions. Seven turnovers. And let, and let me and he, let, and no, no. Let me say and, this. And let me say this. Talk about that. That was the first thing he he talked about. You know, in the uh, post game, um, and it it was almost like okay, let me get this out of the way and just and, and just start with, with what went wrong, and we we'll find a way to get we we'll find a way to try, uh, try and correct it. Um, he mentioned about the the turnovers. He mentioned about the special teams. He mentioned about the. Uh, 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 the left side of the offensive line. I'm trying to remember what because it was five things he's missing at, at at game post. Oh, did he say? Was, did he say what went right? I'm trying to. He said, according to him, they kept the fight. They didn't quit. They didn't quit. Okay, I'll accept and, that. And, and what? He, and he said, he said it's interesting that that was the only thing that he could look at as far as a positive because they, they kept fighting. That's all there was. Now, mind you... And let me say this. Hold on. Excuse me, Walker. Go ahead. Let me say this. Those feeble stats that Doc read off, 
UTSA stats weren't that much better. No, because at some point during the game, during the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, because I don't have stats in front of me right now, uh, O'Corn had better quarterback stats than the kid from uh, from UTSA, which is hard to believe because John O'Corn was horrible. And folks, I'm gonna tell you, it, it wasn't it wasn't close. And on the running part of the on the running game. UTSA did whatever they wanted to do when they got ready to. Chuck Carter was a quarterback for UTSA. But UTSA's total yards for the game was only 263. Yes. For the total for the whole game. But those efficient. Picks, those picks efficient. that O'Corn gave away and he he locked in on receivers. Oh. He underthrew Deontay Greenberry numerous times. He overthrew Deontay Greenberry numerous times. He got picked off in the in the flat. He looked like he was a freshman in high school, not a sophomore in college. He does. He looked so unprepared. He looked like we would have expected him to look last season during his freshman year, rather than a, starting off his sophomore season. So he's just he's a sophomore, right? Yep. And he, he couldn't tell. Yeah, he looked like he didn't have any camp. Which is and that's coaching. What did they do in spring in spring ball? Travis Bush, I'm calling you out, offensive coordinator. And I've heard from alums, many alums told me that they didn't like to hire, didn't think he was qualified for the job. He's in over his head, was, was told to me, point blank. Proof was in the pudding. He sure looked like it. Another stat, the last six games for the Cougars, they're one and five. There you go. Go back to last season. How many good teams did the Cougars beat last year? How many good teams? And you know, last year they beat None. UTSA because of UTSA's situation, uh, turnover situation late in the game. That's how U of H won that game last year. It was just the opposite. They oh, played almost he... efficient football. But then Larry Coker. Who would you, ra- <laughs> you rather have as coach U of H? Larry Coker or Tony Levine as a head coach? All I know is Go ahead, Doc. U of H Cougars have gone so far from Sumlin. Art Brow. And, and Brow. You know, and it's the sad part about that. And I made this statement early on. We just named those two coaches. Yeah. Look at where they are. Now, I don't know where they are, but those I'm two talking programs about the, are thriving. And one has a new stadium coming from the ground up. The other one has a stadium that's getting redone. Plays in a conference that's considered one of the top in the country. A part of the Big Five. Both of those coaches are part of the Big Five. And they, if if things fall out, and them, I'm saying it right now. After well, they could be well, seven and zero going in the, old, the game and, in the Alabama and, game, and they get they deserve all the compliments they get in terms of what Texas A&M did versus South Carolina State. Obviously, what Baylor did against SMU. Shut out. Shut out. Sport about nothing. Right? And this is yeah. an offense and didn't speak uh, well of the America that tends to score. Oh yes, good point there. Yes, good. I thought about that when when that game was over. I said that does not look good for the Americans. Especially what you're trying to push and get into that, that, yeah. that next tier. Ahead, There's Doc. two things that I want to say, though, about that. Is the fact that it really makes a sad indication of what U of H did with the hiring process. Because you had two back-to-back tremendous coaches that were able to parlay what they did at U of H into big-time jobs. Which means you were becoming the cradle for which coaches understood. I can go to U of H. I can be very successful. Which means I can elevate that program. And then I can go from there to essentially get my big time money. And as U of H, as you're saying, are moving up, new stadiums should make it even more of a thriving job in terms of metropolitan areas and what you can do from recruiting. Yep. 
But yep. once you take these slumps, it's hard to get back on that curve. So that really says a lot when they made this hire. And it was underwhelming for me at the very beginning. Tony Levine, Ho- hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. The other thing I want to add that's going to be difficult about this one, we look at this from a broader perspective, like you said, with the American Conference. This, what we talked about a couple of weeks ago in terms of autonomy and what you're seeing on the faces of the disparity between yep. the Big Five and much of the next five, you know it's only going to get worse. It's on, only going to get wider except for a couple of cases here and there. You know, the big uh, – Go ahead, I, I got I many made points. Mention, uh, well, I had a, I had a question about the athletic director hire. Um, and when I went and checked – For U of I, H? For U of H. He's a fundraiser. Uh, that he was a fundraiser. And that apparently that's what they needed at the time. But also, you at, – at, at some point within a three- to five-year period, you got to hire two coaches, a football coach and a men's basketball. The football coach is going to ta- is gonna set the standard for everything else that comes on campus. Well, and and the, only, the only reason I say it is because that's what No, I agree with you. The problem he has right now is he's missed the boat, it looks like, on his, on his football coach. And that's what I'm saying was the pipeline uh, to where everything was really solid. So far – most would suggest that the basketball coach was a no-brain. It remains to be seen. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. The first one they oh, hired was Dave oh, Dickey. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm talking about I'm Not talking Kelvin right. Sampson. Yeah. Right. Kelvin Sampson I was a home run. go back and do your homework. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's <laughs> laid an egg on that one. Yeah. That didn't and, work. Nah, and, Baseball and, coach, he's got yeah. that one. But he, he, did, and, he didn't hire that one, though. No. Well, he's in trouble. The alums helped him hire that one. They suggested... It suggested strongly you hire this guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't have much choice. He didn't no. have much choice. Now, with <laughs> well, that, with well, that being, know what doing. with, with, with that being said, that. I hate to harp back on days gone by, but the person that hired those two guys, Art Browse and Kevin Sumlin, said if you don't make the right hire there. Your, you set your athletic department back yeah. as a whole. Same name, the man. Don't be shy. This is KG Fickle Walkett and well, Doc Pop. Dave Maggot. Okay. You know, and he knew what he was doing because he's hired coaches at Cal in the pack at the at the time the Pac-10, well, and then he, but he also hired the winning coach. He, he had co- winning ahead. coaches at the University of Miami. Yeah, he's done. You know, and, he, and so he's won championships, and he knew understood. Consistent. You know he, what he what needs to be done. Very solid coach. And. To his credit, I will have to. He didn't want to make drastic changes, but he knew if I don't make a good hire on these, uh, on on that part of it, the rest of it's gonna be dead. You know, nobody never come back because he was one of the people that 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 pushed for them to get back on campus. Because he just basically told them, "Y'all don't need to be going over to the dump. Let me, let me. You just don't. That's not your. That's not where you need to be. You need to be on campus." Let me do a recap. You you doing a recap of uh, the last. Now seven games in the Tony Levine era, and that'll be conference play and and post bowl. Uh, this might get scary. UCF, yeah. probably the these the first two probably their best showings all season. They lost nineteen fourteen to UCF on the road. Wow, 
And they that's lost won the conference, 20 to 13 at Louisville. Like I said, the best two showings were losses. Home, Cincinnati, lost 24-17. That's three straight losses. And then the, the shocker, I think it was the day after Thanksgiving, they shut out SMU 34-0. Yeah, they were having quarterback problems. I remember that. Then they went to the bowl game, lost to Vanderbilt 41-24. I believe they were down by 35 or 28. Yep. They came back. Scored 24 and answer points and they lost. Typical SEC team playing outside the conference. So that's, they ended up 1 and 5 to finish off the season. They lost 27 7 in this season opener. So the last seven games, they're 1 and 6. Now, that win over SMU was 34 nothing. SMU against Baylor on Sunday was 45 nothing whitewash for the, the Bears. And it wasn't even close. So how, how impressive is that win now over SMU? Now let me go to the wins for the Cougars last season. They beat Southern. Okay. Wow. They won at Temple, 22-13. And they, 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 they beat Rice. They beat Rice, mainly because Rice's main running back was hurt in the second quarter. And they better and not they play were, them now. And they were getting trucked. They better not play them now. They were getting trucked in the first quarter by him. But they beat Rice, 31-26. They won at UTSA, 59-28. A lot of turnovers in that game. They beat Memphis, 25-15. They lost to BYU in a shootout, 47-46. They beat Rutgers on the road, 49-14. They beat USF 35-23. Out of those seven wins, what's the best win? I'd have to say Rice, only because they won the conference championship last year. Yeah. Okay. What else you got? I got, nothing, else. I got, nothing, I got nothing else thank, for you. Thank you very much. I got my, my point is made. Out of, out of all their wins, <laughs> the Tony Vien got last season. That was it. Because that's the only one that is, is, and So when it comes to good teams, they lose. And that. It's, it's, it's and so if you want to be a good team slash elite team, what do you have to do? Be a good team. Thank you. You got to do something. You got to do something. And let me let me shift gears because we're going to go into different modes here because we've got a big game to talk about. Sunday Labor Day Classic and upcoming game on Saturday, home opener for HBU Huskies. Yeah. But Tony Levine was promoted at, to a uh, head coach. And, Doc, you, you touched on this a little bit as U of H with Kevin Sumlin and our brows leaving for better jobs. There were many alums who were gun shy, and they were, and I, and I put myself in this group at the time, were, did not, were tired of being seen as a, step, a stepping stone. So they went with the safe hire or promotion, and that's why they you, promoted Tony Levine. You went with the money hire. Okay. Hold on, I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Okay, then. <laughs> so safe hires typically do mean cheap. Yep. Okay, so they hire Levine. Levine loves U of H. He loves the city of Houston, and he's a pretty good recruiter. Yeah. He's not a good offensive coach, as we can see. He's not a good person when it comes to promoting people. Promoting Travis Bush to offense coordinator has been a disaster. Good teams just chew this offense up. So you look at that. Then that was Tony Levine. This is what his third year? Third, third, fourth year. We can yeah, because he, yeah, he was hired by uh, uh, Kevin. Brought him in with the staff from, from uh, day one. Yeah, that's about right. But the safe hire, safe cheap hire, is his third season U of H. Was t- the Tony Levine mindset? I contrast that with the Kelvin Sampson hire. That was not a safe hire. That was not a cheap hire. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, because you know the story behind that. So apparently. The mindset has changed from when Tony Levine was promoted 
to when Kelvin Sampson was hired. Right. I hope that continues, and I hope Tony Levine is is dismissed or reassigned or whatever you want to call it. Can he make it through the season? <clears throat> he gonna have to. He will. I hope Travis and, Bush and, does. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say he will have to only because where do you go from there? I'm not sure he can make it through the season. At, With at, the new stadium, and if he continues and he keep, to operate, he can't at lose the fans. Level he can't lose fans. That you're talking about, the only, playing team? Yeah, he can't. I'm, he can't lose. Read fans. down the schedule for this year. For this year. Okay, this Saturday, Grambling State. That's a win. win. Means nothing. Means nothing. Uh, t- I'm, I'm gonna say this, and I don't care who I who, who, what feelings. <clears throat> hey, they got to put fifty. And I'm talking about a 50 point win. I don't even want to get it to this point. I want it means, to win the loss. It means it, it, nothing. It right. means nothing. It's, it's one and one. It means nothing. At BYU. Loss. Loss. UNLV. Loss. Here. Probably. Here for UCF. Three. Here for UCF. 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 That's on a Thursday. No, no, they lost UCF. Oh, they're going to lose again. Yeah. Five. Yeah, they lost. One and four. One and four. At Memphis. Memphis is horrible, but, you know. Two and four. They'll struggle. Okay. Yeah. I, and that's a pickle. We'll that, that, okay. okay. Home for Temple. Could lose that game. Okay. Two and five. Okay. At U- USF. At USF. <clears throat> we'll give him. Let's give it to him. Let's say okay. three and five. Three okay. and five. Let's just say. All right. Flip flop, you know, Temple, USF, and flip flop. They may win either one, though. They won't, 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 they won't we win both. We won't go for it now. Home for Tulane. Lost. Lost. Tulane? Yes. Okay, home for Tulsa. Lost. That's a definite loss right there. That's why I said Tulane. They corrected that recruiting problem from that to that. that is, uh, so they, they, what is that, three and seven? That's three and seven. <laughs> I'm surprised you you don't think the Tulane game is going to be a loss. I, no, I, I know. <clears throat> At SMU. <laughs> loss. At Cincinnati. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on, 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 hold on. Let's go back to the SMU game. Three and nine. I'm going to give them that one. Okay, no, on the road. I'm not <clears throat> oh, no, no, not on the road. I'll just, I'll road. just okay. throw, it out, throw it out there. I'll just say four and eight. Let's just say, throw, you know, whatever. Any combination, they go four and eight. Okay. He gone. Right. He's gone. How four and eight. Home, how, many, or how many home games he has in the road in the middle of the season? Because they've got a bunch of weeks at all. He's got two UNLV, UCF, at Memphis, Temple. So three or four at home. And then if at USF. Conference, conference wise, what he, what is he having on? He goes one and three doing that. He won't make because their road games are at BYU, at Memphis, at USF, at SMU, and at Cincinnati. So they only have five road games. Because you start losing some of those games at home, that attendance is going to drop. That newness of that stadium is going to it'll be drop off. precipitously. The roads will the, not. The dude will be off the road. You have to make a change just to. Make people believe they should still come to the stadium, the even U- if you don't want to. Do the UCF game is a Thursday. It's on ESPN, one of the ESPN oh. family networks. You uh, have national TV in that uh, game? Heck, it's on ESPN. You going to be on The ESPN? Mothership. Oh. 6 p.m. on ESPN. They might get rocked on national TV. If they do that, he should be fired. Because after that game, they have nine days before they play Memphis. I'm telling you, yeah. he can't yeah. right the ship. That, that'll, be, that'll be game what? One. That'll be the fifth game. UCF will be game number five. five it could games. be one and four at, at that point. It could be one and four if they lose to UCF. Yeah, that's, I hate to see it, but that, that's the I'm uh, And where the road we're going, unless he can find a way to do some magic. Yeah. 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 Because 
beating Grambling means nothing. No, and let me say this, Doc. You have a score for Grambling's game on Saturday. The past game against yeah. it was Lamar. It was what forty two twenty seven. So Grambling scored twenty seven points. Yeah, right? fourteen late. Okay, but still, <coughs> they put them up. They were in the game for a half. It was fourteen. And see, and see, and that's my concern. If Grambling is I'm in a, this game Saturday, gets and for that a half, can happen. For a half, then it's, it's a problem. That can happen because he mentioned something Tuesday morning that a lot of folks didn't pay attention to, except for myself and one other person. You, you know who I'm talking about. Brother Ralph Cooper, uh, that Gramlin made it, you know, made the staffing change. That defense now is about blitzing. Like Rams are used to, used to just get after the quarterback and just say, the hell with, you know, the DBs. That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And he mentioned that more than once, which told me he's still worried about protection of and his quarterback. He should be. <laughs> you know, his tackles were, they caught coals by the drafts from the dudes blowing past them. And <laughs> and apparently nobody, you know, like I said, only rapping myself understood what that man said. He's worried about that. And let me they get they get after the Grambling's getting after people. Since we touched Which okay, is good. The game starts at seven. I'll be there at tailgating. But let me touch on the Americans' results from week one. Wasn't good. Okay, let me say no, it wasn't. Wasn't good. Because at the time I I tweeted, I, I posted a tweet. This was after uh, UCF had lost in Ireland to Penn State on the last second field goal, but still it was a loss. With it, but and then after they they, the they got lost, a shot to, to win the conference again this year. The best win at to that point for the conference was Temple's thirty-seven seven victory over Vanderbilt at home at at, at Vanderbilt in, in Nashville. In Nashville. That's the, that's that the, was a, that's that the flagship me. win for the conference. That impressed me. first first week. That impressed me. Here we go. Yeah, that doesn't impress uh, me. Uh, no, what? no, 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 no. We're saying I'm, that's the that's the that's the best win. Only reason it doesn't impress me as much as we're talking about a new coach. No, no, that's the best win for the conference. That's what it shows you. No, I got what you're saying, but I'm saying the only reason I say that is because I don't think last year Temple was that was first year coach for this is this is his second year. Right, which means uh, he's supposed to take the next level. And I understand what you're saying, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt was a solid program, right. but they lost a lot of seniors off their team in terms of And what I didn't doing. find that out until – And you have a new coach coming in trying to do the new offense. And, and, and adjusting and, in, a, in a conference that yeah. he ain't going to you know, sniff nothing. But, but here we go. Tulsa, Tulane, that's a conference game. 38-31, Tulsa beat Tulane. Talked about Temple beating Vanderbilt 37-7. Tulane will win that game. Houston's – Laid big fat egg, 27-7 loss to UTSA. Brigham Young beat C- Connecticut, 35-10 in Connecticut. That bothered me that they were on TV. Penn State, 26-24 of UCL. BYU has a contract with UCL. Oh, okay, okay. Right, that's what But still, yeah. it's UConn. Football. Contract. It's a contract BYU. You all know where I'm, talk- where I'm going no, with that. No, it's a contract. Contract BYU and ESPN. USF, 36 Western Carolina, 31. Memphis, 63, 0. Yes, Austin P. East Carolina, 52. North Carolina Central, 7. Now, go back to Austin P. Baylor, 45. SMU, nothing. Go back to Austin P. Why? The only reason I say that is because. What was the score? 63 to nothing. Why are you playing there? Why why would you schedule Austin P in football? Memphis wants a win. Yeah, Memphis is Memphis thing. is trash too. Yeah, I, I know that. That's why they well, that's why it's getting lost to Pete. They had to do that. Build up confidence for their players. Yeah. Cuz it's going to be a long year for them. Yeah, really? Playing Austin Pete? 
Football? Hold up. Hold up. I've heard, you, I've heard you many a time talk about basketball coaches scaring rum dums and crumbs to build their confidence. <laughs> now you're going to criticize a football coach yeah. doing the same thing? Yes. Yes, I am. Because basketball do it all the time. You talk about scheduling, boosting their confidence of their players. And this is who, you know, Mr. Owl. Yeah. Quite a bit. Hey, man, they they went to Notre Dame. Oh, they changed around now, but let's not act like it's been in their past. Well, you know, it it happened. (laughs) So that is the that is the first week for the American. Let's just put like let's get let's put it like this. That's the act. Yeah. They are the American when it comes to men's basketball. Yeah. When it comes to football, yeah. When it comes to basketball, they are the act. Win, when well, it comes to basketball, uh, as you talk about the act, I'm not sure if the squack was much better. Tell us then, Doc. Get, hit us all, with all of that. Alcorn State, they did what you talked about doing. They played University of Virginia Lynchburg. They don't even uh, operate at the uh, NAIA <laughs> level. They did what they were supposed to do. I will say that they defeated uh, Lynchburg 55 to seven. Mississippi Valley State. It's similar in the vein as you talked about in regards to Memphis. New coach, they trying to rebuild the program. They hadn't had a winning season in quite a long time. They edged on the door a couple of years ago going 5-5, five to five, but that's about the best they could do. They brought in University of Faith. And what? <laughs> oh, no. No. Oh. Oh. Help me. What, what Help me. Help me. Help me. University Help me. Of faith. Help me. I don't know where they found. I didn't even know Faith had football. Wow. Okay. They, yeah. No. They, Valley Delta Devils defeated them 32-7. to seven. Oh, they gave up seven points? <laughs> <laughs> oh. They only, they only scored 32. Help me. Help me. <laughs> well, Lynchburg Help me. scored seven, so. Oh. Everybody, every dog has their day. Apparently so. Then, then you have teams that uh, played at their level. Uh, or we would say that in terms of FCS competition, that's Alabama State playing Sam Houston State. Oh, that became a mismatch, fifty-one to twenty loss for Alabama State Hornets. Um, and then you had another HBCU versus HBCU matchup, which was North Carolina A and T and Alabama A and M in the Miac Swag Challenge. And A and T literally ran all over the Bulldogs. Bulldogs have a new coach, Coach Spady, running the pistol. Many people out there, fans for the Bulldogs, said he needed to bring a shotgun. <laughs> that's what that's what UNLV does. They they run the pistol, and so that just weren't working for them. They let the big time coach on the defensive side go, um, Bronski Townsend, and so it looked like they're gonna have to do some stuff on the defensive side because uh, they just let North Carolina A&T run all over the place. That is a top ten team mm-hmm. in terms of the poll when you look at the Aggies. So they're serious. Okay. And they played that game like they were. They're going to be in the running for the MEAC in terms of the conference championship. But that was ugly, 47-13. Uh, that means the MEAC SWAC challenge is now eight games for MEAC, two games SWAC, and the two wins for the SWAC are Southern. Nobody else can even sniff close to a win. Interesting. Uh, then you have, going back to a Southland versus SWAC matchup, you have Grandland State, as we talked about, Lamar, 42-27, so we won't get into that. Um Lamar really turned the tide in the third quarter where he got 28 points in the game. It was really over after that. Then you have teams playing up. Arkansas Pine Bluff playing Texas State. That was a 65-0 shutout. Lafayette versus Southern, 45-6. Mm. Southern actually had five players in terms of compliance that they couldn't get certified before the game, so they literally 
left late to the game, got to the game 40 minutes before the game to warm up, getting off the bus. Have mercy. That's some concern there. Cap it off. Big game of the week. Lived up in terms yes, it of did. competitiveness. A Took a while to get going. Yep, but once they started putting up the points, as I told you last week, I did not pick the winner, but I said it would be some scoring in this game, and rightfully so it was. Texas Southern 37, Prairie A&M 35. Came down to the last second in terms of Texas Southern converting a first down to be able to kneel down and run out the clock instead of having to give the ball back to Prairie View with probably a minute and a half left to maybe try to do something desperate to get in field goal position. Uh, special team play was really solid in the game, particularly with the field goals. It was one turnover on a punt. Muff punt. Muff punt. But outside of that, uh, in terms of moving down the field, big-time tackles, setting up for field goals for Texas Southern, kicking three of them in the game, very solid. One of them they did get a redo where a guy was off size off a of missed one. And he got it the, the second time he kicked it, which brought the score at halftime, 21-20, to 20, with Prairie View leading. Um, a lot of penalties in the game for Texas Southern. 17. But I think it was interesting from the standpoint, uh, if it continues, you would obviously say that's going to be some major problems. But what was unique when you listened to the coach, he wants that team to play physical on defense. So it's going to be interesting to see how games are called. Obviously, with the new rules, you think it's going to favor offense, which it happened this game. But even though he got a lot of penalties, I think it actually worked in his favor in this game in terms of the smaller receivers for Prairie View, younger receivers. I think they got a lot. They got intimidated, mm-hmm. to be frank. And, and to TSU's credit, many of those 17 penalties were probably by the third quarter. Yeah. As, as the second half progressed, yeah. they didn't get penalized. Right. But I wonder how much was that in terms of the referees kind of saying, I, I can't call everything now. and just get to the point where they said, we're going to make you decide that you're going to play at this level and at some point you're going to let us play. Right. So I wonder how much of they continue to do that versus referees not calling it. So I was interested in that. And two of those plays directly led to points. One was a fumble. They learned that was lateral for a touchdown yeah, early I mean, in the game. Yeah. The other one was a a bump off a slant coming in there. Cornerback was playing real physical. Right. Jumped inside the pass, intercepted the ball, and took it back to the two, which basically led to another touchdown. Uh huh. Which is essentially the difference in the game, obviously. So the ability that they played physical uh, actually won that game, in my opinion. It's one of the few times I would see somebody was saying, and yeah, you got all those penalties, but it actually dictated the tempo of the game. It'll be interesting the rest of the season what that will do for this team. Do you think because of what we all saw up close and in person uh, in, in person on Sunday, it's pretty much a reflection of what's going what went on what's going on with the uh, NFL? You know, the, the new rules, new adjustments, and all what where where teams That's a fair that, that question, and, but I think and, uh, I don't I didn't really heard anything about the NCAA doing well, it. But the NCAA in the past couple of years have uh, has you know, they, pushed they, more for an offensive game. Right. So in that vein, I think you're right that he tried to go throw back a little more where he wanted his particular man on man on his receivers to be able to I mean his cornerbacks to really be physical. And they're they're strong guys. Walker had a big interception. Trey, had Trey some in that game. Mm-hmm. Scouts were out there looking at this. The six four guy that we told you that is a pro prospect 
that played and came up with a big pass play. Yeah, yeah, he'd be playing on Sunday. Uh, and, yeah, and by the way, to, to get it done, and he's a, he's a bad child. I had him for a class. Now he he he's he's a gentle giant in terms of his size, but when he gets on the field, you the, can tell he plays with the angry disposition. Now, uh, uh, but in terms of what he does uh, in the classroom, you know, he's different. He he's a go getter. He wants to figure it out. And so it's interesting because sometimes you look at his demeanor and you're like, man. Because on Friday, after the uh, uh, after the game got ridiculous, the scouts all talked about not the game the next night, which was LSU and Wisconsin, but the game Sunday. They were all looking forward to yeah. TSU and Preview. Yeah, they, they got to, uh, folks. I'm gonna say this to you. They got some guys that's gonna get invited to camp. Now, I'm not just talking about one or two on each. You know, yeah. guys in the game. I'm talking about at least. Five on five guys that got a possibility on each te- on each team. Right, and I wonder how shot. much of that actually affected Love Lock in a negative way, because some of them were out the senior, and he didn't have his typical game. Yeah, he no, play well. but, he, he played well. But so it'll be interesting to see him moving forward. They oh, talk about his size though. Yeah, they, yeah they, that's why. That's, that's, that. that's all everybody he talks about. His size. Playborn, the transfer from Texas A&M. Right. Uh, if he can keep his head uh, about him off the field, he obviously is a talented player. That's another guy. So there's quite a few guys out there in terms of this game that you may not all see at the FCS level. And I think that's a lot of credit to Coach Northern and Coach Asbury in terms of what they're bringing to the right. Quack in terms of talent of the city. And it's another reason for fans that want to see this to get out there and see that, which brings us up to the matchup on Thursday in regards to Texas Southern and Texas College, the NAIA program. It's going to be interesting in that matchup because – Texas College is going to have some talent because of what they're able to recruit in regards to that. What I have a problem in. in As Ralph called them outlaws. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he used to call them. I, I'm trying to be nice. I, I used to refer to college the junior college on, as a whole. Right. But as, I don't as, think uh, they'll have enough to really uh, rattle Texas Southern. But it will be interesting coming off this short week. Uh huh. Oh, yeah. Right back into action. Uh, and coming off of such a a momentous win in regards against your rival. How are they playing the game? Uh, the biggest matchup really this week is a top 10 matchup, which is Alabama State hosting Tech Tennessee State. Top uh-huh. 10 according to whom, sir? What poll is that? Dr. Cavill's HBCU Sports Top 10 poll. Is that a legitimate poll? Or it, 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 it sure it's is. It's been existing for 12 years. In oh, California. it's been around a while. Since 20, 2002. So we're working on our 13 years. We move forward. I'll give you a tease. I'll give you the top five program. You can go to uh, hit me on Facebook, social media. Because you know who number one is. Dr. Cavill, D-R-K, <laughs> Dr. Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. It may surprise the people because no, number one and number two actually change. Really? So let's see if it stays true to what you think should be the number one. Well, well I saw the poll on Sunday. So I right, was going to listen. Yeah, Danny. Yeah, yeah, yeah y'all come and listen. Come well, you know, we still a tease for the listeners, but I already know who it is already, but it's okay. So we'll get a top five. So you can hit me Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. If you want to see the whole poll, uh, you can go to College Sporting News to get the poll as well. Top five program. Those Alcorn State Braves, as you talk about, number five, although they played a cupcake, they did what you're supposed to do with cupcake. So they moved up one spot from uh, number six as one team did fall out of the top five, which is Alabama State. Uh, they had that loss, as we talked about, Central Eastern State. They stayed in top ten, so they number eight. So that's a number eight 
matchup uh, versus Tennessee State, and we'll see where they are. Number four, South Carolina State Bulldogs. Uh, they beat up on Benedict, the NCAA Division II program, as you spoke to, shut them out in that game. So they're back again, serious on defense. It's going to be interesting to see what they do on offense. No expectation this weekend. They travel to Clemson, mm-hmm. top 25 team out of the uh-huh. ACC, money game. And they got The only rock. thing they want to do is make sure that they that stay healthy. healthy. Mm-hmm. Number three, North Carolina and T. Aggies. We just talked about what they did in the MEAC Swag Challenge. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with in the MEAC. Look for them to make a run and win in the MEAC, seeing if they can get a HBCU championship, Dr. Ville's HBCU championship. I know they're going to be after, as well as try to make a run in the playoffs. At number two, this is where things start to get a little interesting. They fall from number one, Tennessee State Tigers, four first-place votes. They're edged out by Bethune, Cookman, Wildcats, five first-place votes. Really, it wasn't necessarily what Tennessee State did not do. They got a win over Everett Waters, which was the NAIA program, home game. They did what they're supposed to do. It does set them up for this big-time matchup, which I said is Alabama State, number eight, hosting a number two team in a new stadium that was built just last year, 30,000-plus. I expect that game to be a sellout. It is on TV. It's on Aspire. That's the... Matt yeah. Johnson channel, uh, channel about that, that people yeah. may have forgot about. And it looks like they're going to be in the business of broadcasting several HBCU games. I'm thinking that he probably bought the secondary rights from ESPN, which HBCUX it did for a while. But they went from trying to land a a cable deal to being an online program. HBUX is the company that is sponsoring the game between Texas Southern and Central States in Bahamas, just to give you a heads up mm. uh, on a match uh, that I'm getting uh, excited about. Which he's missing that, he missing that trip again, folks. He's yeah. missing that trip again. Yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> Number one is Bethune-Cookman Wildcats, as we talked about, five first-place votes. They beat FBS program, program that has not played very solid over a while. They didn't beat them as bad as they did last year, but anytime you can go on the road and get an FBS win, that's saying something. They defeated. Florida International, 14-12. to 12. Held them out from a two-point conversion as they tried to come back late in the game with about five minutes Wildcat, left. what conference does Florida International play in? Florida International. That's the new, one of the new Florida programs that moved into. What's that? <laughs> moved into the American. No, 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 I'm no, sorry. No. They moved into the Conference USA. Thank you very much. Conference USA, see. Hootie who's all about Rice being all dominant in <laughs> Conference USA. See, he took him a while to pull out what conference he's going to have to play in. Well, you I know. knew where you were going, but I was going to let him pull it out. Hey, so we, we all got our issues. And you said we all got our issues. twice, but Thune Cookman beat them, right? Yeah. Two years in a row. in a row. Last year, they really beat them. They beat them like 34 to 12 or something last year. They just afforded something. They really beat them up. So a Conference USA so member has lost to Bethune Cookman two years in a row, Wildcat. Hey, it happens. It happens. I wouldn't even say that happened. Preseason poll, mid-majors will give them some love. Number five out of the SIAC, Miles Golden Bears. They were 8-2 last year. Remember, NCAA Division II has the wait a week before they kick off, so these teams have not played a game. But they have some big-time matchups. You have Albany State Golden Rams, 6-4 and four last season. East, east side of the SIAC, they should be making a run. At number three, Virginia State Trojans. They were really disappointed. I look for them to find a way to do some magic this year. Very well coached, solid program, but they are hungry. This is a team that didn't get to play in the CIAA tournament. Don't want to hash, rehash old wounds 
But that game was canceled, obviously, last year. But really, to rub it in, they were not selected for the NCAA Division II playoff. And they had a wow. pretty good resume. Yeah. So they didn't get to play for a conference championship, nor did they get to play for a playoff. And so I see that team as being very hungry and motivated this year. So let's watch out for the Trojans as the season continues. At number two, you have Tuskegee Golden Tigers. Uh, they're looking not only in winning the SIAC championship, but they have bigger fish to fry. They are looking for their second trip to the playoff ever, first time last year, mm-hmm. and they moved the Turkey Day Classic. That hurt a lot of people feeling against Alabama State. Alabama State has moved that, so they eligible for the FCS players at an at-large bid. I'll sneak that in, too, as well. Really? It'll be interesting to see where that goes. Oh. Eight and three last year for the Golden Tigers as they push forward and try to make a run. But they openly said that they won a national championship, which is another thing that the number one Winston-Salem State Rams. Remember, they played for a championship yeah. just two years ago, but they've lost their coach. He's with the Hampton Pirates now. Mm. Um, so It'd be interesting. it's interesting to see. They think they have the horses, transfers to get it done, six first-place votes. Um, but, as I said, sneaking behind that door is Virginia State Trojans as Winston-Salem State. While they didn't play for a conference championship, they did get a bid to the playoffs last year. Oh. They lost in the first round. So it'll be interesting to see transitioning in terms of coach, changing out of Coach Maynard leaving to go to Hampton, taking that big-time job, which is another program to keep your eye on because that guy can coach, which sets up a top-ten matchup between Miles and Shaw Bears this weekend, which is a CIAA SIAC matchup. So that's my big-time matchups of the week, two top-ten matchups in these polls, one at the mid-major level between Miles and Shaw, which is a SIAC CIAA matchup. And then you have Tennessee State, the independent of the OVC, mm-hmm. traveling in the major division poll to face Alabama State Hornets. And it will be live in there. You talking about a Hornets net. If there's something I would call Upset City, I'm going with the Hornets. So surprise everybody. You heard it here first. Doc, uh, I tell you, your knowledge Doc, is impressive. Where else can you hear? I mean, the football teams he, he mentioned, only reason I know about those schools, basically, is because of Doc and the poll he does, football and basketball polls, and basketball polls on Where my, you been, my website. He's from Barview. Where you been? I don't know, athletically. I know, man, because academics, they're not, not because of no, no sport. But that's one of the reasons why, why Doc is, it. that's yep. right, one of the reasons why Doc is part of these podcasts to, to broaden our knowledge as well as our listeners. So, saving the best for last, we have a home season opener, September 6th, at Husky Stadium, the Houston Baptist University Huskies play the McMurray Warhawks. Yeah. Will you be at that game, sir? Yes. I was I was but, hope so. And the only reason I'll be that game I'll be at that game because McMurray is division two. Um NAIA. Yeah, they're in the yes sir. Um but the, the the main reason I'll be at that game is because opening home, brand new stadium. That's nice. And I need to see what that looks like when it's people in the stadium, not just in practice. When what all is that stadium seat? Maybe has it um, I hadn't announced. Okay. And, and basically, I'm going to do it the same way I did at the new U of H uh, Emporium. Um, oh, Emporium. Oh. <laughs> yes. I've been around Doc. I'm, 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 picking up, I'm picking up college words again. Oh, my goodness. Yes, folks. Y'all education, <laughs> education paid off a little bit. I picked it up. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see how many uh, uh, outside fans show up because it'll be a lot of students. Uh, they are in love with that football program. That they now have football they program. They are in love with that. A, a lot of alumni have found ha, have too. McMurray. Oh yeah, that's a good matchup yeah. to open up a state. They, they they've got a staff that that understands what they've got to work with. What what and, is the NCCAA? That's what the Murray, Murray's uh, part National of. Christian Athletic Association. Yeah. So that's their part of. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a uh, association where you'll see a lot of the smaller Christian mm-hmm. oriented, uh, like what was it? University of Faith, whatever, yeah, whoever that was. Time, yeah. Yeah. So, no, maybe that's where they're from. All right. All right. You get yeah, a lot I, of I'll tell you and why. I, I know for a fact University of Virginia Lynchburg was a part of the, but I think uh, they, were, they were put out right. and weren't able to get back uh, in. And Ecclesia was another one of the schools. Uh, so they're, they're uh, and they don't have a – they have programs. I mean, they, ha- they have athletic programs, but it's pretty much set up around their academics and all. And – I know Ecclesia is a free school, the way Rice used to be. They, it, you get once you get accepted, everything's paid for: room, board, food, whatever, housing. It's a, it's all done. You, the only thing that they asked out of you is that you put in twenty to twenty five hours a week in community service. That's all they ask, and that's easy to do. So, what do you think about Houston Baptist in this matchup against McMurray? And the game can be seen on Fox Sports Southwest. Now, that's big. And trust me, that 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 guy worked that he worked that deal. He he got that done. And, and let me be clear for the listeners: it is it's I'm not and I'm not I'm not poor mouthing it, but to be clear, the game will be streamed live on FoxSportsSouthwest.com and then shown on the network on tape delay on Monday but at seven eight. At the seven, fact eight, that it's that's fair. But the fact that it it will be. Well, you gotta, you gotta move you, you, in that direction. You, you, yeah, sure. anytime you can get thing, but you do want to make sure that you, because some people may be looking for right. Like and myself. HBU has a recent agreement for with Fox Sports Southwest to have their football games carried on the web, and who, live stream, who, and then tape delayed on who, TV. Who will be br- the, uh, the play-by-play guy? So that the other game, our friend that catches, Tom Franklin. The other game that catches my eyes is they play the HBCU Texas College, which obviously. Texas Southern is playing this Thursday. So I'm intrigued to kind of look at the score since we know yeah. in the near future, future. that Houston Baptist and Texas we'll be, Southern will we'll be, do a home and home. We'll be locking heads oh, in yeah. the next couple, couple, couple of years. From what I understand, uh, they were, everybody was agreement, you know, and said, okay, let's see what we can do. They got it done. That's good. So I look forward to that. So after the home opener versus McMurray, they go on the road, play Northern Colorado and Texas College. And then kick off Southland Conference play on September 27th versus Abilene Christian. And that'll be, uh, they're using it, uh, this season as a judgment of where they are, how much the increased stadium increase will be because of mm-hmm. conference wise. They'll start to figure out, you know, wh- where rivalries will come in, who who travels well, and how and where they'll need to they'll go from. From uh from here. That'll be interesting. Just, it's just the way they do things over there. And correct me if I'm wrong, Wildcat, if you can add anything to this. I think HB also uh, this week signed the coach Vic Shigley to another contract extension or a contract extension. I yes. believe that's correct. Yes. So that so uh, this is his third year. Yes. There, second year of football. Right. And he's got a contract extension. So clearly, they are impressed with the work he's done 
the deal is through uh, they're moving in a, 2018 in, a, in, a, in a good path, a good flight path, and things are not disrupted. And he's understanding what he's got, you know, as far as recruiting here in the Houston area, he's understanding that part of it very well. He picked up on some things and all that first year when he got here, he basically just told folks, look, this is, we start a new program. We go, everybody's going by faith. We going, you know, it's going to be a year of just scrimmages weekly. Uh, it's going to, basically we'll start out the first two years will be unlimited as far as the amount of guys and all we can have, you know, they can have suited up and then, and then workouts. But once they started playing games, that's when it, that's when it changed. But uh, the Wildcat, fact, how can folks find you? On you the can internet? find me on online in a media social media outlet, not in the cloud, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> and then we kind of joked about that off there, and everybody knows and understands what's going on. Uh, but uh, online, you can find me at uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, JL Woodley One, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., um, blogger, and YouTube. The College Sports Report, the CSR, and videos are going up on a regular basis. Uh, this year, I'm doing some things a little bit different. I'm uh, loading them up, but I'm also editing in the process before I put them public. Um, spending a little bit more time and all, and getting some things done. I'm trying to uh, develop a, a new uh, system. Also, uh, the other thing I'm doing, and Doc, I'm gonna be getting in touch with you about this. Uh, interviewing a, uh, a college student uh, on a weekly basis that um, did a uh, intern this summer at somewhere outside of the city of Houston. Um, I want to find out how they adjusted to work environment, living environment, and what did they learn? You know, and how did uh, uh, at the uh, at, at the work environment, whoever they interned for, for what did they learn? And, how will it help them along the way, and what do they have to say to their uh, fellow uh, classmates or students? And then, in the uh, either sports management or journalism, what they need to do prepare for after the paper is put in your hand. Absolutely, that'll be much something I'd like to help you with. And uh, I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review website is www.houstonroundballreview.com as well as www.thehrr.com on Instagram, Houston Round Ball Review. And I want to uh, let you know, listeners, that I posted on Houston Round Ball Review at Instagram, which is basketball mostly, but I have a little clip of TSU's head coach Asbury receiving the Jolly Knicks trophy. So you can go to that and see. Uh, check out Houston Round Bar View on Instagram for that. And I'll share with my colleagues off the air a little something about that, that clip that I posted. Quickly, fellas, I'm also on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R Review. We have our KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. You can check that out and uh, read, listen to our clips there. The podcasts are available on SoundCloud as well as iTunes. And directly MP3, you can follow as we tweet them out and retweet them to all of our followers as well. I want two things. We'll talk about the WNBA. Don't do it often. 
for obvious reasons because I have no comments to cover. But the uh, WNBA Finals matchup has been set. Uh, the uh, championship will begin Sunday, Chicago September Sky? 7th. Correct, Wildcat. The Chicago Sky won game it. three on the road in Indiana, defeated the Fever 75-62. And you would not believe something must – I need to watch find out what happened because they, the Sky scored 75 points and Wildcat Elena Deladon only scored four. Now, 75 points. Uh, and she only played 21 minutes out of the 40s. Now that. And she only took three shots. So I'm wondering something happened. something happened with something her happened. health-wise. You know, I don't follow the game, WNBA, as much as college, you know, basketball. But she only played tw- 21 minutes. Yeah, only took three shots. So it doesn't sound like she was you, her usual self. Do you think her uh, back issue? Uh, oh, no. Uh, we don't want to get on that, all okay. the health issues on the air here. Um all right. But they pulled out the win, big road win. Uh, the Fever l- lost at home in Game Three. You know, special three series in the conference finals, as well as I believe in the first round. Uh, but the finals matchup will be Chicago versus the Phoenix Mercury. And, and Phoenix won. Uh, they clinched the Western Conference Finals Tuesday night with uh, eliminating the defending champion Minnesota Lynx, thanks to the legend. Of course. Diana Taurasi going off. And uh, she was sensational as D has been throughout her basketball career. Did she pass the ball into the post? Uh, she passed the ball a few times, but she scored. The game was tied <laughs> 67-67, and then they went on a 13-zip run. Well, we know what happened then. And there was no pass. Diana was part of that run. No, no pass. She made a uh, half-court shot. To beat the third quarter buzzer to give the Mercury a five point lead and, and kind of spark the Mercury and deflate the Minnesota Lynx at the same time to give Phoenix a five point lead going into the fourth quarter. And then they just continued the run and they won 96 78 to clinch that series. So you'll have Phoenix going for, I believe, their third WNBA championship. The Sky going for their first. And the Sky is coached by former LSU coach Pokey Chapman, in case listeners forgot about her. Yeah. But, yes, uh, Tarasi scored 31 points, game-high 31 points for her. Uh, Houston, Houston's own Brittany Griner, let me pull up the box score here, was a force. Uh, she scored 22 points on 9 of 12 shooting. Only had one block shot. So that's kind of surprising, but she was 9 of 12 from the field. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> but uh, People know what they did. Mercury with. shot 59% from the field for the game and held Minnesota to only 42.3% shooting so uh, good luck to both teams and the game will be on uh game one will be on abc tip is i believe 2 30 central time game two will be on espn tuesday september 9th at 8 p.m like i said it's, it's a best of five series phoenix has home court advantage the games three and four will be in chicago on espn two and then also if it goes five Game five will be September 17th. That's a Wednesday on ESPN2. So it's kind of bouncing around the networks there. Part of the package, you got game one on ABC, game two on ESPN, and then the last three on ESPN2. So I'll probably I'll post the schedule on my women's who's blog for listeners to check out and just keep, keep that in mind for them. But, gentlemen, it has been brought to my attention, thanks to Twitter, of that course. 
Gina Oriyama again was uh, I guess let's just say a, a complaint was filed with the American Athletic Conference because Coach Oriyama called Monet Davis to congratulate her on her success. Really? Wait, because, wait, wait, hold up, hold up. Somebody was dead upset. Because the complainant felt that it was an unfair recruiting advantage. Really? Despite the fact that Monet is not even in high school, so it's not a, not a violation, an NCAA violation. You can't have any violations until ninth grade, until a student is in high school. Somebody Monet, was that petty? Monet's in eighth grade. Somebody was that petty? Yes. Somebody in yes. this conference was that petty? Yes. Money well spent. Thank you, because this leads me to a point I've forgotten about. I know that... <laughs> You know and what? The, and and school, I like that guy too. And the school like is going. You, they don't have to name themselves. They don't have to go public with it about the complaint why they did it. But podcasts, I don't know how, how long ago, but listeners can go into their archive and check. I mentioned that I want to see a college coach, but preferably someone in the American challenge and call out UConn. And, but phrase it this way. We know UConn is the elite of the elite. We know UConn is the, the apex of women's basketball in college. But damn it, they have what I want. They have, we aspire, I want my program to be as good as UConn's program. I want us to be at that level. I'm not afraid of UConn. I know what, what we're up against. I know it's going to be a long, hard road to get to that level. They know how to but crush with dreams. our fans and alumni support, I want to get where UConn is. So that's what I want. I'm tired of all this nice, friendly, back-and-forth banter and all, oh, whatever. <laughs> Women's college basketball needs more rivalries yeah. at the top. And then you have to get it done on the court, too. I don't want, I'm tired of seeing one versus two end up being a 20-point blowout. So some folks say it was petty and the coach may not know the rules about, you know, finally playing with the conference. But half this coach is showing that I'm not afraid of UConn. And I'm watching UConn, make sure they're on up and up. And I want to be, beat them at their own game. That's what I want. But another note, this great quote from Coach Oriyama in the Hartford Current. And I got to find this. I got to, I think you guys will enjoy this. <clears throat> so what does this mean? Quote, quoting from Coach Oriyama. If a kid wins a swimming contest somewhere and is wearing a UConn sweatshirt and I call to congratulate her in seventh grade, is someone now going to say you are not allowed to do that? Well, why not? Isn't that unbelievable? But here's the best part of the quote. There are guys playing college basketball, driving around in cars worth more than my house, and we're worried about a phone call to a little girl? End quote. Ha <laughs> Touche! You know what? He deserves to be number one for a reason. Because uh, I did, trust me, now I'm this is quickly becoming this, a bigger fan. Of this is gonna be the, the funny part. He's gonna find out who that person was, cause somebody's gonna tell him. And trust me, it's gonna be like Bobby Bowden jumped on Auburn when they fired his baby boy. Somebody's gonna get cru- get their dreams crushed at home and on the road. Yeah, you're right. It's gonna get ugly. And I'm a, I, and, and it's and he he acknowledges and, all that. He said. But he that, also acknowledges that the planning school be a lot more competitive. is under no obligation to publicly identify itself. He said he has never seen Davis play basketball, nor knows anyone who has seen Monet play. 
another quote from Gino in the article by our man John Altavilla. Or Altavilla, I need to really ask John how to pronounce his last name. I really do. But it's A-L-T-A-V-I-L-L-A. Quote from Gino. Under normal circumstances, I would probably not know anything about her until she was in ninth grade. I have no idea if the kid is very good, kind of good, not good at all, or a superstar, or can even reach the basket. How was that a violation? He said he, the call, phone call lasts two minutes. But that's where we are. And if it means a rivalry starting in the American, good. Because at some point I need somebody in the conference to challenge UConn because right now it's UConn and, and everybody else. Because Louisville ain't there, Rutgers ain't there, USF, based on the TV contract, TV schedules that were put forth by the American, USF is, they're hanging their hat on them being the, the second best team in the league because their matchup with UConn are going to be on TV. So UCF, SMU, U of H, step your game up. So we'll see how it all plays out. Now. Literally, Wildcat and myself will see how it all plays out. And we'll post that. We'll discuss that in future podcast listeners. Just keep listening. Trust and believe. Yeah, I lean I just, back. I, I lean just, back and let, let let it be seen. I, I just come across a bit of good news that I think is refreshing to hear. When we hear a lot of this negative, and sometimes we get into the competitive part of sports. But uh, Marvin Lewis and the Bengals have uh, put uh, Mr. Steele, who is a NFL player. His name is actually Donald Steele. Uh, defensive tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals. He has a daughter that uh, is having to deal with uh, pediatric cancer. And as you know, with the NFL, which uh, we all celebrate to some degree, uh, but some of their stuff is quite archaic. Imagine the fact that if this gentleman didn't make the squad, that uh, he would no longer have the ability to to afford insurance uh, for his daughter. So with everything being said, it's a business. They could have easily made this decision. But the organization under the head coaching guidance of Marvin Lewis uh, put the man on the practice squad, which means he still gets paid and could earn up to $100,000. More importantly is the fact that he will have insurance to be able to allow his daughter to still fight. Obviously, it didn't directly affect the NFL team because uh, he's on the practice squad. He doesn't have to travel. Uh, But on the good news is he's injured. If he rehabilitates himself, he will have a chance to move back to the roster spot. But the team can still play uh, focus-minded and have, you know, all the means with having uh, the 53-man roster necessary to compete. Uh, but that's a bit of good news with some of the other negative things that are coming out of sports in general. And just sports, oftentimes it is overwhelming when we oftentimes just look at wins and losses, or as I do sometimes the business side. But this is a chance for me to celebrate an organization and a coach, uh, in my opinion, went beyond the call of duty to do a solid thing for a family that is in need in many ways of uh, – rehabilitation, and some prayers. So I say kudos. And let's continue on the NFL some, theme some as, as we wrap it up. Some organizations know how to do, get things done. Some organizations. Two, first, Dallas Cowboys assigned Michael Sam to the practice squad. Second, we talked about this in our last podcast. I asked Doc to do his homework. 
Almost forgot about it. Buffalo Bills are for sale. Doc? Somebody keeps mentioning John Bon Jovi's name in this process, but from what I understand, that 30% was a little bit too much for him to handle on an individual basis. And he, ba- and he did, he, did he back out? Or, uh, he, he relinquished his... He was asked to leave. No, I think it's a, it, it's a little more detailed. It's not just the fact that the, the 30% was barren. He actually could afford the 30%. What the concern was, there was another team that was going to get in the bidding process. Uh-huh. And that owner had more money. Cash which means... Money? No, it had more money overall. Oh, okay. The, the financial offer, okay. Where, wherewithal. So their 30% would have easily outbid John Bon Jovi as being the lead person on that team. Okay. Which means he would have been the 30%. So that caps basically what they would have been able to offer. And once they found out his financial means, it was easy for the other team to bidding across to bid just a half a dollar more <laughs> than him. I got Because they knew basically the financial numbers at that point. So what this team did is they asked him to relinquish the leadership role in such a way that they could reconstruct their bid uh, at a higher rate to try to forego the other organization Mm -hmm. that they're probably going to be bidding against to go in the organization. So it's not necessarily just a financial thing. It was more of a business construct decision in terms of making sure that they would be in a position to put all their marbles to the table to actually hopefully come out with the winning side. Okay. And so I think Bon Jovi, from his perspective, was like, if I'm not going to be the lead man, I'm not interested in being a partial ownership owner. So it was kind of mutual in terms of saying, all right, let's, I got you. let's move forward. I got you. And as we touched on previously, the uh, top three groups, None of the top three groups binding bid or non-binding bid for the Bills has been over $900 million. Interesting. But the Los Angeles Clippers were sold for $2 billion in the NBA. So, Real estate location? How do you know? Well, it could be. Doc, you're the expert when it comes to things like this. Yeah, I think a lot of it does have to deal with uh, Buffalo Bills in terms of the location. Now, obviously, in terms of overall franchise and wealth and health, in regards to the league, there's no better league in terms of the overall. Uh, but this has to be a, a opening uh, for the NFL to understand that they have a franchise that can't really sell for at least a billion dollars. As you said, when you have the Clippers, a team that hasn't really won, but because of the marketplace, because of the fact that it was an open bid process in this manner, and just with everything, it escalated the bid. But even at its worst, People thought at the minimum it was at a billion dollars. I got so you. So even if we just take face value, still you have a franchise in the NBA that was going to sell for a billion dollars uh, without the escalation clause in terms of bidding it up, which got 1.4 and 1.6, and ultimately the winning bid at $2 billion, you have an NFL franchise uh, that uh, in a lot of ways people are suggesting that they wanted to stay in Buffalo. I think if you move that team to Toronto, you could get over that a billion dollars because there's just more things that Toronto could do in terms of the bid process. There's some other cities that you can look like in that name. Uh, but with the historical framework, uh, which in a lot of ways is kind of odd to me because 
NFL usually chases the dollar more than they do historic framework. So, I'm, so in a lot of ways, I'm surprised uh, that they are not letting the ownership say they can move it. Obviously, once you buy the team, a lot of things can change. But at this point, they're trying to suggest to them that they want to keep it in Buffalo, which I think is a major problem in terms of the financial components of this deal. Mm. Money, money, money. And speaking of money, the owner of the Washington NFL franchise has gone public stating that he has begun the process of getting a new stadium built in uh, D.C. or the D.C. area. So he is looking to leave FedEx Field after seventeen, after only 17 seasons. Really? Daniel Snyder has said he's spoken to a few architects, etc., about a stadium in D.C. Snyder, being a, a lifelong fan of the team, Remember the days in RFK Stadium when you could see the stadium bounce, I mean literally, up and down when fans <laughs> got into the game, they got excited. And I, you can see old clips on NFL Network, and, and that's – I remember those days when, when beating the Cowgirls and football rivalries, and you can see the stadium chanting when you knock Danny White goofy and the crowd was chanting, beat Dallas, beat Dallas, the glory days of the franchise. Which they are far from those glory days now, boy. You got Rob quarterbacking. So, and I, so and once again, he so made his Rob. So are the folks up of forty-five now. He ain't. Yeah, it sure is for them too. Yeah, this they, is, they don't have glory, glory days. days right far now. from them as well. Yep. One playoff win in eight years. And uh, you know, speaking of Rob and that team, that team was playing the Texans. They'll be in town to kick off the season on Sunday. Really? I'm less confident in the uh, in Rob's team winning uh, than I was a few weeks ago. And we're going to wrap it up with J.J. Watt and his new $100 million contract that starts in two years. Must be nice. $51.8 million, $51. million in guaranteed money. Nice when you can get it. You know, it's, it, and I, I will say this. I didn't expect it to happen before the season got started, only because it's the Texans really and, and Rick Smith. It didn't surprise me. Is it a good deal? Economically, for the for for well, the all involved. I think uh, the for, way I think the way they front loaded with the fifty fifty one million guaranteed helps them to some degree with the uh, salary cap. But I think they're going to have some problems near the end. It's going to be interesting to see if they're going to ask them to restructure. Oh, the they deal. will. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. Now, they will. now that we 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 broached that subject down, Brain and Matt uh, Mallet from from New England. Ryan Mallet, yes. Brain and Mallet from, from New England. We all know what the reason why. What he has, what what the coach has here now, he's not seeing development on a quick enough basis for him to feel comfortable going into the season. That's, that's no, 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 no. You, you don't think no, so? You don't he, think so? He's also in charge of personnel. He was also in, in the decision-making process to bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was also in the decision making to draft Thank Tom you. Savage. So, no, he, he got to share part of that blame, yeah, too. He didn't want Case Keenum. We all know he didn't want Case Keenum because he didn't have Case Keenum. He didn't bring Case Keenum in. So, Case was cut and Rams picked him up. So, no, no, no. He saw, he brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick and he brought in Tom. He drafted Tom Savage. And Ryan Mallett didn't do much in his brief stints with the Patriots. We'll see what he, what he can do here. And it, it may 
say something that he's better than Fitzpatrick and Tom Savage, that Ryan Mallett isn't great himself. So we'll see what Mr. O'Brien can do and if he can work his quarterback magic and sprinkle some dust on, on Mallett to make him a <laughs> legitimate NFL quarterback on a good team, you know, not just be average on a bad team. Hold up, man. Because when, when the, the pitch in my mind with the new coach of the Texans still goes by that, back to that sideline in a uh, confrontation between he and Tom Brady. So you still and, living off of that? No, I, I, the reason I'm saying that is because the folks that he's got quarterbacking now don't challenge. You know, you, they just, they, they just you, do whatever they, t- they told to do. You mean that highlight where Brady was yeah. yelling at oh, O'Brien yeah. oh. and the media said, look at Tom being a good leader? Hey. As hey, opposed we, we to still, we know who's still if Cam would have done that, we know Cam's being that, controversial. We know Cam's, who the coach came over and said, Cam's hey, being, y'all why is Cam that being out. outrageous? Coach came over and said, y'all cut that out. Anybody know what it is? Listen to me, know what I'm talking about. Excellent point, Chris. So, yes, Mallet, 6'6", 240, he's a big guy. I mean, let's be real. They got, the Texans got Mallet for a conditional seventh-round pick in 2016. So, I mean, it's not like they gave up a second-round pick, you know, for a conditional seventh-round pick that, that may move up possibly based on conditions to a 2015 pick. So, yeah. you know, they got something for nothing. But we'll see. He's better than – well, we'll see. he got to prove it. I'm yeah. The I'm Texas quarterback situation is still not great. And he should see some playing time. It's a question of how, how soon, yes. How soon. Because see. Len, to wrap it up like this, with this, it, it didn't take the Oakland Raiders long to realize Matt Schaub was shot. And named Derek Carr that's like a quarterback. And trust me, from what we've seen so far, he may be brother. He may be better than his brother. Well, if he has offensive line to protect him and not get him gun shy, you know, it wouldn't take much. All right, we're gonna wrap it up in this very good football dominated podcast. Didn't even talk much about talk anything about USA basketball in the World Cup. We'll get to that. I'll be getting ready for a uh, clinched up group. They clinched Group C. You ready to go to Spain and? Prepare, prepare for the matchup everybody expects in the gold medal game w- with Spain. So we'll, we'll get into that later yeah, in another podcast. Yeah. But uh, one last moment, gentlemen, as I forgot to say this earlier, and it's good to do this. I haven't forgot about our sponsor. We're going to have to take this moment for a THG agency to let you know about them. Are you looking for business strategies and services in the areas of sports management, educational leadership, and project management for your sports camps, AAU teams, local business, or athletic department? Well, you come to the right place. THG Agency is the Heritage Group. It is a fully integrated sports entertainment, educational leadership, and project management consulting company focused on sports leadership and educational administration with six areas of consulting expertise, sports business management, educational sports assessment, data analysis, educational curriculum development, advanced leadership execution, and statistic solution consulting. Our services are well-defined but tailor-made for our clients we represent. For more information, give us a call at 281-330-1341 or email us at info at thg-agency.com. You can also visit the website at thg-agency.com. Thank you once again to THG Agency. Doc, how can folks find you on the internet? Yes. 
They can find me directly at uh, email me directly if they want the top ten poll rankings, major and mid major division. Uh, that's uh, K Cavill at thg agency dot com. That's K C A V I L at thg agency dot com. You can see the poll at hbcusports dot com. Um, you can also find information and follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, as well as like me, obviously. Uh, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, that's D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L, D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. You can hit listen to me live uh, every Tuesday at KCOH, 12.30 a.m. You can find that on the website if you want to listen to a streaming. That's www.kcohradio.com. We have a inside HBCU Sports Labs. Uh, Dr. Ville's inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Ryan McGinty and Mike Washington. Again, that's every Tuesday from 7 to 8. Uh, listen to me, and you can get the top 10 poll uh, there as well. Wildcat, how can folks find you? You can find me Facebook, Twitter, and TweetDeck, JL Woodley1, Jerry Lee Woodley Jr., Blogger, and YouTube. The College Sports Report, the CSR. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review, website HoustonRoundBallReview.com, Houston Round Ball Review on Instagram, Houston Round Ball Review on YouTube. Check us out on our KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter at THEHR Review. Good luck to all the athletes competing in in football, high school, college, and pro level uh, this weekend. NFL kicks off Thursday in Green Bay and Seattle. And then the Texans play the NFL franchise located in Washington on Sunday afternoon. We'll be talking about that in our next podcast. Gentlemen, thank you again for your insight, your time, and your knowledge. Wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and Do more.